Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition with me, Andrew Musgrove. And this weekend, it comes from Joe Bray from the Manchester Evening News. He covers Manchester City down in the northwest. Joe, thank you very much for popping onto the podcast. Are you well? I'm not too bad, thanks to you. Yeah, I can't complain. Um, although my mood and the listeners' mood may suddenly drop when I remind them of the visitors to St. James's Park. This weekend, once again, it is Manchester City. It is a team that most other teams in the Premier League, if not all, uh, do fear. It is a daunting challenge to get the better of Manchester City. And it's no surprise, perhaps, Joe, that they've started the season absolutely on fire, uh, You know, beating West Ham and then beating Bournemouth. Are we expecting, from your point of view, another three points this weekend, do you think? think City would do, yeah. I think they'd be disappointed if they didn't. But if if City were looking at the fixture list, it's probably not one of the more straightforward ones. St. James's Park, it's it's not always been the best hunting ground for City. So there might be a little bit of nervousness. I would expect Pep Guardiola to really big up Newcastle. He bigs up every opposition and then finds a way to dismantle them with, with ease. But I think there is a bit of fear from, from Pep with St. James's Park in the past, because you've, you've had a couple of decent results in City in, in in the past, haven't you? So, And even last season, the, the, it was 4-0 to City, but it wasn't a 4-0 game. It was it was fairly competitive for, for large periods and City just picked Newcastle off at the end. So I think just while City are getting to grips with sort of how to play with Erling Haaland, for example, getting the, the right team together and getting the rhythm up, I think it's not guaranteed that City will get the points, but it wasn't guaranteed that they get it at West Ham and they found a new tactical system that they've never played before and completely stopped West Ham from playing. So um, you would expect that, that City would win, but I don't think it'll be as maybe straightforward as some people expect. One of the key questions from a Newcastle point of view this weekend is whether Eddie Howe will switch to a five at the back. So this podcast has been recorded before Eddie Howe's press conference on Friday morning, so we may get an answer or two during that press conference. But Joe, is that something that regularly happens, do you think, uh, against City, where teams maybe switch from what they usually play week in, week out? So for Newcastle, for instance, it is four at the back. The teams usually think try and switch to five as a way to, to stop City, you know, being the best they are. And, and does it does it ever work? Well, you do see a lot of teams pack the defence and Bournemouth did it on Saturday. I, I don't know if they normally play five at the back, but they definitely did play a, a very solid 5-4-1 formation um, at the Etihad. And it works for a bit, but if City want to get past you, they do really. Um, and it, it was interesting after the game, Scott Parker was asked about Erling Haaland because he didn't really do a lot. He had about eight touches in the game and he said, well, it's all well and good focusing on Haaland and putting three defenders on him and two defensive midfielders. But then what do you do with Kevin De Bruyne and Gundogan and Foden and Mahrez? And you've got all these players that will find a way. And if City do have the majority of the possession, which they often do, um, it's often only a matter of time. But you, you do get the occasion where a team will defend better than than most and will really frustrate City. And uh, as I say, Newcastle have, have been able to frustrate City in the past. So, um, yeah, it's difficult, but I think five at the back is probably your best way of getting at City, even though it's no guarantee it will work. So, as we've mentioned, beat West Ham, beat Bournemouth. With City, in case of uh, of the levels of the Rats, do you fear or do you feel they're not yet, you know, maybe second, first 
gear they've still got another couple of levels to go up yeah definitely and I think it was 3-0 at half time against Bournemouth and it was the second half was very little to write write home about it both teams accepted that City had won comfortably and they added another midway through and and that was it so I I think it's a case of getting up the the fitness Guardiola keeps talking about having a week before the games to prepare because he's so often he has only three days because they've got Champions League and all these other competitions but for this month he's got sort of a week to prepare before games so he's on about getting up the fitness getting up the relationships between the new players and and that's the sort of thing that I think he'll be looking at but um, no he they definitely did sort of maybe get second gear at times in the first half against Bournemouth but nothing more than that West Ham was a bit different because it was obviously West Ham away is always going to be difficult isn't it and they've got good players but the, the plan there was to pack the middle, the both, both the fullbacks inside, um, which I don't think anyone had ever seen before. David Moyes was like, we couldn't prepare for that because we'd never seen it before and we had no answer to it. It, it baffled us. Um, and that's just stopped West Ham playing completely. So it, that wasn't really a vintage City performance, but it was quite an interesting tactical one. Um, so it, it might be similar on uh, on Sunday at, at St. James's if, if the plan is to stop Newcastle playing rather than City trying to impose the game themselves. But um, I think it'll be an interesting tactical battle because there are players that should probably worry City. I remember Joe Linton last season had quite a bit of joy just running through the centre, which doesn't often happen against City. And uh, obviously the, the signings this summer have strengthened and Kieran Trippier is going to be there and offering a bit of a threat from set pieces, which Guardiola is always keen to not give away if, if there's an opposition player with with a good, a good delivery. So I, rec- I reckon... There will be a, you know, it's going to be a bit different from from City, but um, as often happens, if City want to play and want to dictate the game, they will do. It's going to be some interesting lineups, you know. Mm-hmm. Sven Botman, you would think would start. I, for what it's worth, I think Newcastle will go five at the back, and yeah. I think Botman will be tasked with stopping Haaland, which is going to be absolutely fascinating. You know, Botman is recognised as one of the best young centre backs in Europe. It is seen as a massive, massive deal that Newcastle managed to, you know, tempt him up to Tyneside. So then to test himself against someone of Haaland's class, who is arguably the best striker in the world, I'm sure he's relishing that challenge. Um, but just how good will he have to be to keep Haaland quiet? Um, I, I, I would say Bournemouth did it quite well. They did it by placing five players on Haaland, but um, <laughs> it, it has, he's not sort of come out firing as he has for Bournemouth, uh, for for Dortmund, sorry. Um, I think you, yeah, you've got to be you, on top of your game to keep Haaland quiet because even in those eight touches in the last game, I think three were shots. One was a very very good assist where he held off three players and flicked it into Ilkay Gundogan. Um, so he's he's doing stuff productively with the possession that he has. He barely barely touched the ball in the first half at West Ham and won a penalty and scored it and then scored that good breakaway goal. So um, you've got to be on it for the full 90 minutes. Like Your focus has got to be there. But then if you're, challenge- if you're focusing on Haaland, as I said before, you've got to work-, work out what to do with all the other players. And you've got players like De Bruyne and Gundogan who already in the two games have done really well just bursting through the centre with the space that's that's being created. And Haaland's making these runs that creates that space for others. So, uh, yeah, you can keep Haaland quiet and keep him off the score sheet but the challenge then is to have all your other players make sure that City's other attackers are not going to sort of knock in two or three goals themselves It is a scary list I mean De Bruyne is unbelievable he's my captain 
for this week, mm-hmm. just in case he decides to really turn on. He's um, starting and, really uh, well this season. Yeah. He, looks, he looks in the mood. I'm just going to mention to our listeners, here at Chronicle Towers, there is some building work going on and someone at the wrong time has got the massive drill out. So if you can't hear it in the background, Joe, can you hear it in the background? I can't hear anything now. But... Right. Okay. So hopefully it's not going through the mic. So I do apologize if you can hear it rather annoyingly. They've got out just as we've decided to record here. But anyway, back to the fantastic list of players that Man City <laughs> have got. Um, you know, but De Bruyne is just, he's just a different class. And what I, what I think the point here is, is that they've got players who aren't even getting game time, which could walk into most Premier League sides. And it kind of shows you, it's kind of a, a note for Newcastle United to where they want to be. And it's yeah. going to take four or five years to get there. But you want two, three world-class players in nearly every position. So if someone is having an off day or if someone is kept quiet, someone else steps up. If someone's injured, someone else steps in, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's a really, it's going to be a really good test to see just how far Newcastle have got to go. And again, a good reminder of where Newcastle are hoping to be in a few years' time. Yeah, and I think looking at the signings that Newcastle have made this summer, from the outside, it looks like they're quite sensible. It's not like you've gone out and bought loads of £40 million players just for the sake of it. You bought players that you need in key positions that are either young and can develop or have decent experience. So I think that bodes well that you're making those sensible signings because that's the sort of thing that City did, didn't it? I mean, De Bruyne, for example, everyone was saying... Yes, he cost was it 50 million, 60 million, but everyone's saying he was a flop, but he fit the system well and he was the, the right player for the right time for the right team. And and that's they're the, the signings that, that City have made really well over the years rather than just signing the big name. Probably Haaland is the first one in a while where he's he's the big sort of superstar. All the other ones have, have gone under the radar or they've sort of quietly been a better player for a, a Premier League rival to sort of maybe take weaken a rival and also strengthen yourself, which is another tactic that City use quite well. Um, so, yeah, I think it bodes well for, for Newcastle that they are making those sort of lower key but sensible signings that do fit. Yeah, 100%. And I've been really impressed with how they've gone about their their, their business in the summer transfer window, sticking to top targets. And, of course, there is a couple of weeks and that approach may change. I don't think it will for what it's worth. I think they, we won't see them just throwing money at it because that has been proven not to work you know they are very uh meticulous in what they wanted to do you know they've got a list of players of that a list isn't there they'll go to the b list and so forth it's not like they're just going to go out and sign anyone for signing sake in terms of the players Newcastle United have got there's a few that you know get fans off their seats players like Callum Wilson players like Alan St Maxman uh we'll, we'll go with Callum Wilson first off who's going to be tasked you think with keeping him quiet I would expect in defence, I think Nathan Ake will start again. He started very well. Um, obviously, Amo Laporte is injured. John Stones has only played, I think, about 20 minutes this season. and He, he didn't go on the pre-season tour either. Um, Ruben Diaz has been OK, but Ake has been really good. And uh, those two will know each other from from Bournemouth. So uh, it could it could be Ake, it, it could be Diaz, um, probably one of those two. Um, but they're, they're the type of players that tend to do well against City. They only need one or two chances to, to do it. So... I'm assuming that Newcastle won't have a lot of possession and will probably need to play on the break. He's exactly the type of player that can pop up and, and score a goal and put City under under a bit of pressure. So, yeah, I think if Newcastle are going to get anything, it'll be up to him. And like you say, St Maximan, who's 
Uh, we've seen sort of flair players do quite well against City. Wolf Sahar always has a good game when uh, when he plays City. They're, they're kind of similar players. So, um, yeah, no, I, th- I think he, when you play City, if you're going to beat them, you need City to have an off day. And you need all your players to to be on top form and your flair players to really stand out. And yeah, I think those those are two that will be sort of central to Newcastle's hopes, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, Scott Parker said something similar, didn't he, after the Bournemouth game? You need everybody to yeah. be a 10 out of 10 to get the better of City. On St. Maxman, on the way that Newcastle play, they do try and hit teams on the counter. And like you say, they're not going to see much of the ball. There's going to be very few chances to really hurt City. So it's all about being clinical, isn't it? You know, when that ball does drop to Callum Wilson or when the sight of goal does fall to, to Almiron or, or Alan St. Maxman, it's about just being clinical and getting that ball into the, into the back of the net. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if you can go ahead or get an equaliser, sometimes City, you might catch them off, off guard for 10, 15 minutes and, and that's when you need to strike, really. Um, it, I think that City are often beaten in their own heads and beginning of the season, things might not be clicking. They might get a bit frustrated. Um, I th- that's probably the way that you're going to do it. So the teams that often do win either strike early or strike late. And if, if you strike late, it's because you've got lucky and you've managed to keep them out for a while. If you strike early, you then have to defend really well for, for the rest of the game. Um, so, yeah, I, I would guess that. I, I think if Newcastle are going to get anywhere, it might be down um, Newcastle's right, so City's left, because obviously the fullback issue has been sort of dominating City's transfer uh, window. They let Alex Inchenko go to Arsenal, which was very good value, but then left just one right back and one left back. Jao Cancelo is a very, very good player, but he's not really got a natural left foot. The amount of times the other day that he had to cut back inside and either lost possession or gave the defence some time to get back because he didn't naturally use his left foot. It was quite striking. Um, And in the community shield, Mo Salah exploited that so, so often in the early stages. Cancelo naturally comes inside. Salah just stuck to the uh, stuck to the byline and got a lot of space and a couple of chances and it took probably about 15 20 minutes for City to properly realize that Cancelo had to really stay wide. So that would probably be the area if there is any on the pitch. Um City have signed a left back this week, Sergio Gomez from from Anderlecht, but he was initially signed as a development player. Um they are going to keep him this season so I, I doubt he would start. He might come off the bench, but Cancelo will probably be the one to start and he might be the the weak link if you can get get at his uh, at his left foot. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because on our preview podcast that came out yesterday with myself and John Gibson, we were talking about the potential to go five at the back, but then you obviously have to lose a player mm-hmm. ahead of you. So I said, well, I'll keep the, the three central midfielders and I would move either Almiron or St. Maxman as into a number 10 and Callum mm-hmm. Wilson, the furthest man four, which then removes that kind of... I mean, even though you have got two wing backs against City, just how attacking are then wing-backs really going to be? But it's interesting you mentioned there that the, the slight weakness perhaps over on City's left. I'm sure Eddie Howe has um, gone through the tapes and the DVDs. He's a meticulous tactician, so he will be well aware of um, the, the weaknesses, however small and however limited they are, that he can get the better of City. Um, there's a little bit of a, a side story to this game, and I'm not sure if it's just on social media that this is happening. But um, Miguel Almiron versus Jack Grealish. And yeah. uh, especially the Newcastle fans on social media are quite looking forward to Jack Grealish making an appearance on Sunday. I think he might get booed ever so slightly. And just to put it into context for you guys listening, I'm sure you don't need a reminder. 
when City were celebrating uh, winning the title, uh, Jack Grealish made a quip about Mares, I think it was, being as bad as Almiron. And that didn't go down particularly well. And this story has ran and ran throughout the summer. Every time we mention it on our Facebook page, it gets liked, it gets shared. Everyone seems to have Miggy's back. I'm not sure it's that big of a deal down in the Northwest. But uh, yes, I do think his, uh, you might not get a, the best of reaction when he steps onto St. James's Park on Sunday. No, he, he never gets the good reaction anyway, just because of his price tag, his, his personality. You know, it was probably not a very wise thing to say, but uh, by all accounts at that uh, sort of Champions Parade, he'd not really had much sleep and uh, he was in a very, very good mood having just won his first first Premier League title. I think Bernardo, because he was taking the mick out of uh, Bernardo Silva in the, in the same video and Bernardo was just saying, yeah, you know, we were all just having a laugh and letting our hair down and it was probably a dressing room joke that shouldn't have gone on social media you you would understand why Newcastle would be annoyed I, I'd forgotten about it personally since uh, until you said it but you know I would imagine people don't need an excuse Newcastle fans Grealish. have not forgotten about it I'll no, tell you that no 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 <laughs> people don't need an excuse to boo Jack Grealish so just something like that um, they were in they're in America on the pre-season tour and they played a Mexican side and he got kicked in every opportunity. And we spoke to him after the game because he he could have got injured. Like they were, they were really targeting him. Um, and he said, I like it. it. It drives me on. It spurs me on uh, when people kick me, people boo me. Um, and he was sort of said, bring it on. So, you, you know, if, if you're going to boo him, boo him. Fair enough. But just be aware it might... Uh, might spur him on to, to have a good game and, and show you something and pop it in the back of the net. But he also might not play because he didn't play the other day. Um, Foden played instead of him. And then uh, he came on at half-time because Pep said he didn't deserve not to start, but it was just the way that he wanted to use his tactics. And we were 3-0 up. And, but with with it being 3-0 and the game was pretty much dead, he didn't really do much. So I would expect Foden to start on the left and Mahrez on the right. But he could come off the bench. He'll be warming up. So I'm sure he relish that... Uh, that treatment. The wealth of options there. I can <laughs> sense Newcastle fans listening in with real envy. Um, just a quick reminder to our listeners that we have a free live event kicking off at 12 noon on Sunday. So just before Newcastle kick off against Manchester City, it's at the Tyneside Irish Centre. You come up, come along, speak to myself, Aaron Stokes, Lee Ryder, John Gibson and the Times Henry Winter. Talking all things Newcastle United, there'll be a chance to raise some much-needed funds for the Super Robson Foundation and the Newcastle United fans food bank. A couple of prizes as well to raffle off. Alan Shearer may have signed a shirt, so I'm sure you'll want to get your hands on that. I'll pop the link to the tickets in the description of the podcast. There's about 15 left, so do get your hands on those, and it'll be a great way to build up to the kickoff, which is 4.30, like I say, on Sunday. Um, Joe, you're coming up. Is, is, is there anyone you're really looking forward to seeing uh, on, on Sunday from, from Newcastle point of view? Uh, I've always liked Kevin Trippier. Is he fit? Is he? Is he he's fit. Play? He's not had the best yeah. of games. Last couple of games, he's looked a little bit off pace. I, just, I think he's. I don't think he's one hundred percent match fit. And I think you know mm-hmm. that that will come in time. It's not the best game uh, to have coming up straight away after two below average performances, in my opinion. Partly because he set the bar so high. Uh, but yeah, he he'll be starting. There's no uh, word of it of an injury or anything. I just think he's just lacking that match sharpness. So. It'd be a real big test for him on Sunday. Yeah, 
he always seems to do well against City as well. Um, and yeah, I, I like Bruno Gramares. He's in my fantasy team, so if he could pop up with a with a goal, that'd be. I, I wouldn't complain too much. Um, now I, I think Newcastle are exciting to watch again. There's a, there's a while when, you know, if you're neutral, they probably just weren't that great to watch. But there's a bit of a buzz around now, and the crowd are on behind them. And yeah, no, I, I think they've got a good balance of the team, and they're only going to get better. So um, no, it's 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 going to be interesting to follow Newcastle and see how they do this season. Mm. And I mean, in terms of off the field, there's always a lot of comparisons made between Manchester City and Newcastle now because of where the money of the ownership has, has come from. Um, and again, you know, there's always a look at what, what City did in the early years, what they did with the managers. But it, how would you how would you look at them comparisons? I tend to look at them and think, well, football, even in that short space of time, what is it? You know, it's 12, 14 years, whatever it is. It, it, times have changed, you know. Do you think the comparisons are, are fair? I understand them. I, I think it's it probably is fair, but as you say, it's it was probably easier for City to crack into the top four than at the time rather than Newcastle doing it now. It will be a big challenge, but it can be done because you see clubs like Man United. We always say they're the big six, but they're currently bottom of the league, aren't they? So they're they're a team that you you can get at and and possibly replace. And uh, you've just got to keep those signings being sensible and you know spend within your means and develop the academy. One of the things that you've done brilliantly is. Is the academy they're really reaping the rewards now they've got a lot of local young players but also i think they've sold sort of maybe 20 30 40 million just from the academy this season in player sales so that then allows you to go and spend more on the first team and and that's the sort of thing that probably newcastle would want to to look at in the next decade or so because it does pay off in in, in the future mm, anything that newcastle United managed to emulate in terms of what City have done over the last decade or so. You know, Newcastle fans will definitely take yeah. that. Uh, Joe, we'll finish on your score prediction then for this Sunday. How is this game going to go? I think it'll be closer than people think. I'm going to say 2-1 to City. Wow, I was not expecting that. I, yeah. I, I keep, Do you know what? I keep going back and forth. We started yesterday's match preview podcast. I was in good spirits. I was thinking, you know, Eddie Howe's going to get the confidence going and it's you know confidence is half the battle but then I ended it thinking yeah I'm quite glad because we don't do score predictions on the match preview so you won't do yeah. draw or lose and I said I'm actually in hindsight I'm, I'm a little bit glad we don't but of course yeah I'm going to have to yeah I don't see Newcastle scoring I, I yeah I think Haaland is well going to grab a call I'm going to have to go 3-0 I do apologise to, to my listeners well listeners. this is it City if, if they get one or two under the belt then they, sit, they look for more, they don't really sit back. It's one or two can turn into three and four very, very quickly. Yeah, I think the good thing will be, though, that whatever the result, even if Newcastle do get a thump in, that they will handle themselves well, they'll apply themselves, and it won't be like it was of old where they turn up and it's just like a training game. I think you know you will see a team, given their all, try and tactically to, to match to get the better of City, and although it may not work, you know that's not for the want of trying. So... Fingers crossed, though. My prediction is wrong, as is yours, and Newcastle get all three points. We can only live in hope. Uh, Joe, thank you very much for giving us the insight into City. Uh, safe travel up to St. James's Park for this weekend's game. To you guys listening, please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we'll keep you up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including live coverage of the game on Sunday. <laughs>